Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. Your potential guests have a lot of properties to scroll through. So it's all about capturing that their attention and really honing in on a target audience, understanding who you're designing for. I think that's where a lot of people fall flat is they design based on their personal preference. And it's not your personal residential home. It's a business. So what do you need to do in a business? You need to conduct market research. You need to understand your audience and design for them. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. Today, I got two of the most up-and-coming interior designers in the real estate investing space. I got Bree West and Jordan McDonough. Bree, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, taking the drive down the 5 South, Newport Beach, Los Angeles, Palisades, um, or Palos Verdes, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. so um, very impressed with what you guys do. I see all your stuff on Instagram beautiful designs. Um, But tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing today in the space. Yeah. Thank you so Mm. much. We are designing for short-term rentals. So it's our very niche design that we do. We are helping investors cash flow more on their properties through design. And how did this come to fruition? Oh, we have a, we have a good origin story. So Bree and I, we started off just good friends. Our husbands were actually our, our kind of tied together um, from college days. And uh, Brie can definitely speak on kind of her background in investing, but basically she started investing in properties, um, asked me to come along. My background is in interior design and art curation. And so we just knew that in order for their Airbnbs to stand out among competitive markets, we needed to step up their design. So that's how we came together kind of in the space within interior designs and, and Airbnbs. And it just kind of took off from there. So that's how, that's how we started. And, and from that point, we, we knew that we had a good thing going. There wasn't anyone in the space offering interior design specifically for short-term rentals and with an investment mindset there. And so we, we joined forces and now we're able to offer that, that service offering to our clients. And that was about a year ago. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind of a year, but really, really successful and fulfilling. And I think the key thing there is, is what you alluded to. You said uh, from an invis- investment standpoint, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of vendors out there in the real estate space that don't uh, cater to real estate investors. And so whether it's on the design side or on the contracting side, you know, a lot of these build outs and designs can, you know, there's a big difference between it being catered to a primary residence and a short term rental or an apartment building. And so I love that you guys are catering to that space. Um, so speak a little bit about you know, how you guys, you guys met and kind of, you know, how it came to fruition. Cause I know for me getting into real estate investing, there's so many like other businesses that can come to fruition from just becoming an investor. So what was like the light bulb moment that made you guys realize, Oh, I want to do this as well. Yeah, exactly. When you get into investing, your wheels start turning of, like you were saying, there's so many other opportunities or branches off of real estate. So it started about two years ago when my husband and I decided to invest in short-term rentals we were actually, our, our game plan was to do long-term rentals and we had two long-term rentals 
under our belt. And we found Michael Elefante on social media. He has like a short-term rental um, academy. And we saw some of his Instagram posts and just saw how much he was cash flowing. So from there, my husband and I were like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. We were at a stage in our lives where we could do something more full-on. Short-term rental investing, it can be passive, but it is a lot of active from the front of getting it up and running, going out there and setting it up, designing it. And so we switched over from long-term rentals to short-term rentals and actually had Michael as our mentor to pave the way and, and teach us all that he knows. So from there, my husband and I, we really just took off running. Um, in within a year, we invested into 10 properties. Now we're at 12. But like Jordan was saying, I, I brought Jordan on because my background's in marketing. And I really looked at this opportunity from a marketing standpoint of, I want to make this the best that it can be. And I saw that design was an aspect that maybe not a lot of short-term rental investors were looking at, that design can be this tool to market your property better and to stand out when people are scrolling on Airbnb, to almost stop them in their tracks and look at me, earn that click, then they're going onto the listing and hopefully you're earning the booking from there. So Jordan is a good friend who's an interior designer. I brought her onto my personal properties. And then, yeah, it just the idea sparked of the design business that there's this lull in the space and just being able to, we connected with some other investors in the space, you know, higher up investors who do these coaching programs that they, they assured us as well that there's a huge need for design. So from there, we started Summerled. We were connected with these people to then um, form like a network of clients who, who want to do the short-term rental investing, but had that, the pain point of startup. And we were able to solve their pain point by offering our design services to them. I love that. And it, it's huge that, that you guys are involved in the real estate investing space with direct ownership. Um, almost everyone that I work with, a lot of the girls on my team, um, our contractors, a lot of the, the designers that we work with, they are all real estate investors as well. And so like we alluded to before in the show, it's like they see it through a different lens, which a lot of people don't. Um, I think the design element is such an important key piece to like uh, short-term rentals, hotels that a lot of people you know, don't allude to. Um, the days of you know buying a short-term rental and, and putting some Ikea furniture in there and throwing it on Airbnb and doing pretty decent are over, especially in a lot of these markets that are oversaturated. Um, we're in 10 markets right now around the country. Scottsdale, Arizona, for example, that's one of them. You know, there's 6,000 plus short-term rental listings in Scottsdale alone. Um, and so if you think you're going to buy a four-bedroom or a five-bedroom property out there and just throw some Ikea furniture and that you're going to crush, like you're going to get crushed, really. And so a lot of it comes down to the design element. I think another element is uh, the bedroom count, um, amenities, like how do you make your property stand out? How do you make it unique? But speak a little bit about the importance of the design element. Yeah, the design is really important. I mean, on these platforms, like you were saying, it's saturated and, and they have your potential guests have a lot of properties to scroll through. So it's all about capturing that their attention and really honing in on a target audience, understanding who you're designing for. I think that's where a lot of people fall flat is they design based on their personal preference. And it's not your personal residential home. It's a business so what do you need to do in a business? You need to conduct market research. You need to understand your audience and design for them. That's really what sets us apart and coming in with this investor lens and marketing lens and then combining it with her design expertise is really doing the research. And that's what we're all about. And we 
recommend that to anybody. Don't just jump in there and put something up. Do it the right way because over the years, it's going to continue to become more competitive. You want to, from the get-go, be one of those top competing, competing properties. So to do that, you need to research what are the other top performing properties doing? What amenities do they offer? What does their design look like? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can go off of them, but then make it your own. Offer one or two amenities that they don't have or push the design direction even further to stand out from the others. I think one of the biggest mistakes that uh, a real estate investor can make is to think that they're going to do the design on their, on their own. I think it's okay if it's like your first one or two and you have a, a budget. I know my first short-term rental, I kind of backed into it. It was a two-bedroom condo. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I furnished it myself, but like now I, I don't have the time to do it, but I'm also not the best suited to do it. And so, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make in terms of the design element? Yeah. I mean, I think we definitely touched on one where you put yourself too much into the short-term rental property and that just cannot be the case. You have to think of the perfect guest in mind when you're designing. And another kind of big mistake that we see is that People, you know, they, they start the process. They jump in probably too fast. They haven't started with the strategy. They haven't done their market research. They just go to Home Goods, Target, or wherever they may go and just start buying stuff and then hoping that it'll all come together. But you need to have, you know, to back up a second, make those design boards, get that overall design vision, make a spreadsheet, just be organized and have an overall vision and um, idea of what you want the short-term rental to look like. And then the whole thing is going to come together so much better. Um, we have a whole strategy that we start off with by developing that vision that Brie touched on. You know, it all starts with that market research and that strategy. But we also are super organized with creating design boards and getting visuals of how we want to envision the space and have it all come together um, once it's all ready to go for photos. So don't just throw it all together. There's there's a process behind it for sure. So if you uh, are are doing a property or design in a specific market. Um, how do you guys, what is the best approach to determine how that property should be designed in order to maximize the, the cash flow? Yeah, we're very numbers driven. You know, we, we say that we design based on data. So we leverage AirDNA to look at the top performing properties. We start there and just take notes on their amenities. We take notes on their design direction. And then we also will look at why people are visiting the area, understanding, is it more families that travel? Is it more friend groups? Is it groups of couples that may play into the home itself? If it's going to be a large home, you're going to have larger groups. Or if it's an apartment, you may want to focus on couples. And so just creating a persona, we will also look at what what is there to do in the area? Is there a lot of outdoor activities? Because people are traveling to, say, Florida they may have the goal of relaxation or if they're going to Miami, they may want to have a good time. So like, what are their goals and designing to like, they're choosing the spot and then you want your design to look like that spot and look like what they want to envision if it's relaxation or if it's having a good time. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it all starts with the, uh, the target audience. Who's your target customer um, in terms of the branding and even with the hotels as well. Um, I know we hired a brander with this most recent 24-unit uh, boutique hotel here in San Diego. And a lot of it was spent early on um, with what does the target customer look like? And how old are they? What demographic? Et cetera. And that's kind of how we determined um, the direction we were going to go with the naming and the branding and that sort of thing. But um, what software is, uh, do you guys use, like to use to come up with a lot of your market data? 
Yeah. So we use AirDNA, Google, we look at blog posts. We really like to follow influencers or look at influencers who are traveling to areas and what do they like to do. Um, we also, well, when we're looking at numbers for, let's say like a guest count, you know, like guest count, there's some low hanging fruit that you have to increase your nightly rate. That's the overall goal that we have for every single property is, or every single client that we have. How can we improve their cash flow, their nightly rate? So low-hanging fruit are like amenities and guest count. And we're going to do research on what other properties are doing for amenities and what they're not doing too. You know, if it makes sense to have a putting green and no one else is doing it, or maybe there's like one or two, then we can put in a putting green. Um, so those are kind of like the software programs that we use. We look at Google, we look at AirDNA mm-hmm. to then look at the data and, and create a strategy. So I'm curious if, let's say you're looking to put in a putting green, uh, and the majority of the other listings in the market have them, is it best to go a different direction or is it best to go with it because you're like, hey, I don't want to be the only one that doesn't mm-hmm. have it? Yeah. If we're seeing trends, definitely go for it. You know, you don't want to be the only one without it because it's it's working. So don't reinvent the wheel, do what works, but then also do something else to stand out from the others. Okay. What, what are your favorite, um, like maybe trending uh, amenities to add that are like a good bang for your buck? Yeah. I mean, we, we do love those putting greens. We love to have some sort of Instagrammable moment. Um, you know, these people are choosing the location of your Airbnb before they choose your property. And so just keeping that in mind where, you know, maybe in Nashville, it makes sense to do a really fun Instagram wall with a neon sign, like a photo op moment. Cause you know, most of the time is girlfriends who are traveling there together and we want a good photo opportunity. And so if it makes sense in the market, that is something that we always like to incorporate because um, our designs, we want it to be experiential and not just, you know, it's flat. And so that's, that's another thing. Um, You know, always outdoor amenities. We always um, suggest doing hot tubs, um, you know, any sort of like pool games, trying to think what else like are, are some of our go-to amenities yeah. that we always And it's going to gonna depend on the area of too. Of course. Yeah. If you're in a cabin, then it needs to be cozy. You need a hot tub. If you're in Phoenix and Scottsdale, you're outdoors. You want a pool to cool off or a putting green because it's a huge golf market. So all coming back to the market research, we, we do design around the country and a lot of people who invest don't care where they're investing. It just needs to make sense for the investment. So if you're not familiar with the area, we highly recommend doing all of that research to not just make a gut decision, back mm-hmm. it by research. Yeah, absolutely. I know one of the amenities that we've done in the past that have had like one of the biggest ROIs is a pickleball court. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, it's just a trending thing around America right now, especially yeah. in the more um, affluent markets, if you would. Mm-hmm. And I know with one of our listings on Scottsdale, as soon as we put pickleball in the listing title, the bookings and the revenue went up by like 35% overnight. Um, so I know if you have the space mm-hmm. to add a pickleball court, you can have one for like 30, 35 grand, a nice one. Um, you might want to consider doing it. However, it does create a lot of noise for neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's something that um, you yeah, look into. But I think if you have a property to where you don't have immediate neighbors in the back and to the, both sides, I think it might make sense. So with the design element, if someone comes to you guys and they're, let's say they're an investor and they want you to uh, size up their deal, quote unquote. Um, what kind of things do you guys offer? If you are a busy professional and don't have time to invest in real estate, but still want to participate in the passive income and tax benefits, my team, Summers Capital, is buying a lot of boutique hotels right now. We source the deals, we renovate the properties, and we even do all the day-to-day management, making it truly hands-off for investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, 
Go to summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. Yeah. So, I mean, every investor is coming to us with the big question of how can I increase my ROI? And so what we're going to offer to them is, is helping them make the decisions. You know, we're not just a design group who we ask the investor, like, what do you want? What, what do you want out of this? Like, we're going to back up and do the research. So we offer our expertise, like that investor mindset. And then from there, once we've made that decision on this is the, the best game plan and strategy, it gets passed over to design. And in the design phase, we're always just remembering that target audience, looking back at the research, looking back at the mood boards that we've created and pushing as hard as we can to design this experience and design something that's going to stand out. One thing to note is that photos are really important for Airbnbs. Like, Do not skip on a photographer for one. But also as a designer, we're trying to think through the photos and what are you going to be your top photos on an Airbnb listing that's so huge, your top five photos. Because when you're scrolling, that's what the platform lets you look through before you have to click into it to find out more. So for the, for the most part, photo, the, the top photos are going to be like your wow moments, your amenities. So we're going to strategize how can we do everything that we can to make those photos stand out. Color is going to be a big thing. Wallpaper to add in more texture and pattern. Um, if it's an amenity like a pool, put in pool floaties. Just do anything to like catch somebody's attention. Um, then they'll click on your listing. What are your thoughts on like one-time things that um, maybe are going to make the photos look great, but then they're probably not going to last. Like you like said, pool, pool floaties, yeah. or even like some you know uh, additional landscaping. Um, or additional plants, maybe like just for the photos and you know, Hey, these plants are probably going to die within a couple of weeks, but you do it just for the photos. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's definitely a fine line there. We, we actually definitely make our photos probably a little bit better than what the guest is going to experience there on the property. You know, your photos are going to be really important to get people to book the listing, but then we want our design to still speak for itself and add to the overall guest experience. And so some things that we do for kind of our listings is we stage all the photos. So we want it to feel inviting. We want it to feel warm and welcoming. And for these people to be looking at these photos and envisioning themselves or their group, they're you know, spending time and having a good time there. So we actually stage all of our properties with fresh food, like we do charcuterie boards, fresh flowers, um, you know, leaving drinks out. And obviously those things are not going to be actually there for the guests, but it actually just creates more of a warm photo environment for them to kind of envision themselves there. So um, we don't add, you know, if if we were to add like an amenity there just for the photos and someone gets there, obviously they're going to be disappointed. So we we kind of justify it with, you know, small things like food, um, some pool floaties. Um, but for the most part, we try to stay pretty true to what the guests are actually going to be experiencing there on the property and what is um, kind of marketed in those photos. I love that you guys include the, the food and, and the beverages for the photos. I haven't heard of... Um designers doing that before. Um, what are your thoughts on, and we've done this, um, a couple times. Um, what are your thoughts on hiring models for specific photos within the property? Yeah, I've seen that. We haven't done it before, but uh-huh. I've seen it in like the Coachella region, Palm mm, Springs, because yep. it really is like an experience. So my thoughts are it's cool and it's going to create, it's all about getting the person to envision themselves there. And we do that with design too. I like that you mentioned pickleball because I always think of with pickleball, like a mom booking and envisioning her family playing pickleball. So if that's going to push the marketing to the next level of someone envisioning themselves there and wanting to book it, I always say too, like the goal is for 
a person to look at a listing and share it with everybody. We have to stay at this place. Or if it's a mom booking, share it with her and adult kids. Like we need to, we need to book this property and give them that like urgency of, I need to book this now because it's, it's for the weekend that I want. So whatever we can do for marketing to, to push that. Yeah. We hired uh, models for my Scottsdale property and it, the models were so cool. I ended up like, I'm like friends of three of them now still. And one of them was super inspired by like what we were doing when he came out and him and his uh, fiance ended up buying their first basically investment property. Really? And now it's like their first Airbnb Very and cool. uh, I helped them buy it. And like, they're fucking, I'm so excited for them, but That's yeah, cool. these, it's something you never know who you're going to meet at some of these, yeah. like these, like, yeah. you know, uh, these events, but man, have you guys ever had any, like, uh, you guys ever get clients that they just want to be a part of every single little decision? <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we, it's it's interesting because most of our clients are investors and they understand that opportunity cost of, you know, just their own personal time and, and helping or, and letting us do stuff that we do best. And I would say the majority of our clients are a little bit more hands-off. They're like, okay, you're the experts, you do your thing. And then I trust you. Um, but yeah, every once in a while we do have a client that, that has, has a strong opinion. And, you know, that's just kind of, part of the game, no matter what aspect you are in interior design is, is just all that client interaction and communication and, and being able to be flexible to meet the needs of whoever it is you're working with. Yeah. I, I've definitely been guilty of that sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, I don't need to be in the, in the whole mix. Yeah. Um, I'm good at like delegating a lot of things, but sometimes like, like when it comes down to like a final decision on a specific like remodel, like cabinetry we're going with or like something if I have a strong opinion about it, I might say, hey, like, hey, like, what about this idea? Or sometimes we'll like take it to social media and we'll just do like a, a public vote on it because we're <laughs> yeah, like, love we're, it. we're like, like stick down the middle, it's you know, market research. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that sometimes I'm like, wait, I don't need to be this involved, you know? Yeah. And you yeah. know what? It's like we're <laughs> we're there for for every type of client. And so we understand that people have, you know, stronger opinions than others. And that's OK, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some other big levers in terms of like generating revenue? Because I know, um, Jordan, you own, what is it? 11 properties that you guys, you and your husband have? Yeah, we, we own 12 now. Yeah. 12. 12. Okay. And in which markets are you guys in? So we're in Utah. That's where we started. That's where my husband and I live. Um, maybe regret that decision. It's not the best market to be in, but that's where we started. We're, we're starting to sell those off, but then we moved over to Phoenix so we have two in Phoenix, some in Florida and Virginia. Okay. And out of all those markets, which one is, is the best performing in your estimation? Fort Lauderdale. Really? So yeah, we just closed on another one in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Fort Lauderdale is very saturated, but the one that we did, it's actually a really cool case study. It was a short-term rental before, like a lot of homes in that area. And it's right on the canal system, really close to the water. It was doing 150,000 in revenue. So it's doing, it was doing pretty good. But we were running the numbers and, and based on the design too, like we just knew that we could push it to the next level. Um, the design of it was very basic, kind of like your Ikea home goods special. And so we came in there and we did a bachelorette place. You know, we focused it on like this pink and green, fun, tropical vibe. And within our first year, we doubled what it was doing. So we did 300K, just over 300K. And we wow. didn't do any major renovations. We simply took out all the old furniture, put in new furniture, put up lots of wallpaper, um, created this experience for a specific group. We knew the location was awesome. And now the design is as well. So that one's killing it. We just 
purchased another property that um, we finished designing on and it's in the setup stage. And that one's going to be similar. It's like targeted again towards bachelorette, but it's nightlife. The other one was a little bit more light and airy. This one, um, it's going to have a karaoke room. It's going to mm. have a stripper pole. It's going to have some LED <laughs> it's lights. Be super it's fun. Basically, we said, okay, bachelorette group. And we had this bonus space that we're like, we could put a pool table in. I don't know if girls are going to love pool tables. So we're like, what activity do bachelorettes like to do the most? And how can we bring it inside the property so that it's like two in one experience? And that was karaoke and, and the stripper, stripper pole. poles. <laughs> yeah. And it has a bar. Like it's like a yeah. huge common area. Well, it's, it's not like the living room, but it's like a bonus room that we're creating this club nightlife. I love that. Vibe. Which market is this in? Fort Lauderdale again. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, how do you determine, cause we, we kind of, we've had to make these decisions as well to like some of our properties is like, if you tailor to the bachelorette parties, do you feel like you're losing on some of the families that want to come book? And, and how do you determine what the balance should be there? Yeah, that's a really great question. A question that we get a lot of, and it, it really does require a lot of research and trusting the numbers to do it because it's like, I'm honing in on a really specific audience, but the way that we justify it is looking at other competitors and is anybody else in the space doing it? Like Nashville, for example, you have tons of bachelorette. Okay. So like it's working in Nashville and we can do some research and try to get an idea of how many bachelorette groups come and and when do they come? Is it just in the summer or is it going to be year round? So with specific groups like bachelorette, it's going to be more weekend bookings. You're going to have less weekdays. So your occupancy is going to be a little bit lower, but how much can you charge per night? And it's going to be a lot more if it's like the specific group um, who's willing to pay more for an experience. We'll just run different case scenarios and say like, okay, if we think we can charge this much a night on bachelorette, but it's going to be booked out at 50% occupancy versus like really broad 80% occupancy, but we're bumping down the nightly rate. Um, just whatever makes sense for the numbers. And for a lot of these cases, well, not a lot of the cases, but for some cases like Nashville and Fort Lauderdale, we have trusted the numbers. It's been scary for me. I did it personally on the first Fort Lauderdale and I was a little bit terrified of it, but trusted those numbers. And yeah, doubled what the last Airbnb owner was doing. Yeah. Interesting. I'm curious, why did you guys move out of the uh, Utah market and which market within Utah were you in? We were, we were in like the college towns in Utah and it was great. There wasn't much competition and we didn't put a lot of design into it. That's one thing. Design will make sense in most markets, but if there's not a lot of competition, if you're just in like a suburban town, then design may not make sense and that's okay. Just do something simple. Um, so that's what we did. We were fully occupied, you know, had people in there all the time, but it just wasn't an experience. People don't want to pay a lot of money when they're just visiting their kid for college or mm -hmm. maybe a group of friends who are visiting. You need to go to the markets where people are vacationing and want to spend money. And that's what we realized. It was kind of like a safety net for us a little bit. Like we just want to start here local where we're at. Yeah. And my husband's a mentor in the area in the in the space now and He'll share that experience that that was, you know, a decision that he wished he didn't make. He wished he would have trusted the numbers more and, and pushed himself from the beginning and not started in the safe zone, but went to a vacation market. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made. I think if you're in areas that are destination areas where people are, you know, taking bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, and they're spending a lot of money, um, the design element probably is even an even bigger lever mm -hmm. than it would be in a market that's maybe more, you know, transitory, if you would like a Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, or, uh, I don't know, like a Barstow, California. I'm just trying to think of areas where people, people only go to, you know, stay for the yeah. night and then they're just kind of going on their, their way versus actually having an event there. Um, 
It makes sense. And I think that's why areas like Scottsdale, Nashville do very well. I did not know that Fort Lauderdale was such a big uh, bachelor, bachelorette destination. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's more these girls want to go to the beach. So like, let's find Mm. a beach property. And it's a good one. It's close to Miami, a little bit uh, less expensive for them to travel, but they still get that like Miami nightlife feel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, brings in a lot of travelers. And one of those groups is Bachelorette. And you get a lot of the uh, the cruise ships that come in and out of there as well. Yeah. Are you guys seeing uh, a slowdown? I get this question all the time mm-hmm. uh, and it's a trending topic. Are you guys seeing a slowdown in terms of this Airbnb bust or a lot of these markets being oversaturated? Um, what are you guys seeing on your end? Yeah, no, we do to get this question a lot too. And it is, we're, we're kind of seeing the opposite to be completely honest. So we have been in business now for a year and we are as busy as ever. And I, I don't know all the logistics behind it, but what we are seeing is that investors are kind of looking forward to this downturn. They are, you know, maybe wanting other people to be a little bit more nervous so they can come in and continue to invest and leverage their own money. And, and, you know, with that being said, you know, I think it is investors who maybe are a little bit more high profile investors who maybe aren't as nervous with economic up and downs, but we'll invest no matter what economic client is going to be in. And so that is, that is kind of like our ideal client are kind of those, those more, um, you know, those investors who maybe do have a little bit more cash on hand who Mm -hmm. can pay for a design service, or they're willing to be spending more and putting more into their properties versus, you know, maybe some people who are just starting out are going to be the more hesitant investors. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I've seen with the Airbnb bust is it, it is weeding people out. You know, people who used to be doing really well five years ago are not doing well. And, and they're trying to either pivot and redesign their properties or they're backing out and selling to other investors. But I definitely think Airbnb is changing. The short-term rental space is changing where more in, investors are coming in who are serious about it. This is their business. And so yeah. they're going to treat it like a business and they're going to have employees and marketing and a design team do all the things. And it's not just like, one investor or one person with one property and just gets out, gets it up like an average listing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I think, you know, cause we have uh, some properties that do really well. We have some that are kind of middle of the road, like just slow and steady. And then we have a few that don't do so hot, but because we have a little bit of scale, um, if a couple of the properties just don't have the greatest months, it's like, mm-hmm. well, the other properties that do great make up for it. Um, but I also feel like with the design element, it's like it's it's massive, and I, and I I can say that the properties of ours that do the best have the best designs. The ones that are underperforming have the worst designs, and there's definitely a correlation there. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't agree more. I think especially in those competitive markets, like if you are not investing in design, I mean, you're you're just kind of doomed to fail at that point. So design is so so important, especially in those those high trafficked, pretty competitive markets for sure. How, how much should some, someone expect to pay for a design? Like as a new real estate investor, how do they know if they're getting a good deal on the design or if they're, they're getting ripped off? Hey guys, real quick. The only way this podcast grows is if you guys share it and review the show. So if you do find value, if you could take two seconds and drop a five star on Spotify or Apple podcasts, it would mean the world to me. But more importantly, it will help us reach new audiences and help more people build wealth through real estate investing. Yeah. I mean, I think choosing the designer is important too. Like, you know, we're coming from an investor standpoint of helping make decisions on what amenities and um, what strategies you should do. So as far as getting ripped off, 
what we're going to do like from the get-go is make sure that these investors, it's going to make sense for them. We're not in the game of, of just having people use us for design if it's not going to make sense. So investment spreadsheets are very important. I mean, there's lots of different ways to look at an investment, but you should definitely should be running the numbers. And one way that you can tell if design is going to be worth it is just by looking um, at your nightly rate and, and determining, okay, if, I, if this is like an average case scenario versus if I bump it up a little bit more and have a little bit extra in it, I'm investing this much into design, but I can push the nightly rate up, you know, X amount more. We don't, we don't want to like set a high expectation. You need to be very conservative with your numbers, but just look at, even just looking at like your break even, like what would be the break even worst case scenario that like I pay for a design group, but I bump my nightly rate up $5 a square or $5 a night and it breaks even like, okay, I can justify it. But more realistically, you're going to be able to bump up your nightly rate, you know, up to like, 50, you know, double of what you would have done on like an average case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, you know, you can spend a lot of money in a design, but one way to look at it is, is the ROI. It's like, okay, well, if you spend a hundred grand on a really good design on a large property and put in uh, maybe a jacuzzi, maybe you throw in a putting green within the hundred K budget. Well, if you get an extra 50,000 a year in revenue, um, off of that 100 grand, that's a 50% ROI. Where else in real estate or even the stock market or any investment yeah. vehicle right mm -hmm. now in today's environment, are you going to get a 50% ROI? Yeah. yeah. Probably impossible to find, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I always look at it in that, in that light, in that perspective. And I also say, man, like if you um, are sizing up a deal and you're underwriting a, a short-term rental or boutique hotel, you know, pencil on the design costs. And, um, I always say like increase the, I add like a little contingency factor. We always like to add about 25% mm -hmm. just for change orders. Um, not just the renovation, but for the design, cause you're going to get into the design, you're in the middle of it and things are going to come up, right? Like your designer yeah. might say, Hey, uh, these things are a little bit more expensive than anticipated, or we should go with this. It's going to look a lot better. What do you want to do? And you want to be able to say yes to certain things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think to have that contingency money set aside, um, when you uh, analyze these deals on the front end, it's like, hey, the money's already sitting there um, and it's there to use if you want to do it. And if the numbers pencil by using that money, then they pencil. And I think that's always the best way to approach it. Yeah, for sure. And then just kind of another thing to add on there is whenever we are sourcing, you know, furniture and everything to make the the property, you know, perfect and and how we we want it to that standard is we don't ever encourage people to be spending money just to be spending money. It has to make sense for their ROI. And so we actually source furniture that is in stock and ready to ship. We want you to be able to get that property up and running right away so you can start making that cash flow. And, and we want to make sure that the furniture that we're sourcing isn't going to break after a few uses, but we don't really encourage designer furniture either. Um, that's going to take forever to ship and is going to be breaking the bank. And so mm -hmm. it is that sweet spot of, of always remembering that ROI, especially with whatever pieces that you're going to be putting into the, into the property as well. What are your guys thoughts on the, uh, the Minoan model to where they're, um, you know, the guests can go into the, the properties and they, if they like a piece of furniture, they can basically like scan the QR code and order it to their, their own home. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that model? It's very interesting. We've actually, we recently partnered with Minoan, okay. by the way. Yeah. yeah. More on the ordering side, because we offer a remote design package. A lot of people go with that and then they'll do their own orders. We, you know, we give them all of the designs and the shopping list and they leverage Minoan to get those discounts. So that's what we're more familiar with, with Minoan is, you know, they can get you up to like 30%, I think they say in discounts. 
But yeah, the QR code thing is kind of interesting to me. It's almost like you're an influencer at that point, like you're getting commission off of it. I'm pretty sure that Minoan splits the commission with you 50-50. You know, say there's a sofa that then Minoan can get 30% off of. They give you 15% and keep 15%. So it's fascinating. I haven't tried it myself, but Minoan's been talking to me about my, you know, Fort Lauderdale property that I'm putting up about trying the QR code. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's going to work. I think it's just all part of that experiential design, right? I mean, it's not just a place to sleep anymore. Like you said, it's not just going to be Ikea furniture. So I think it is just kind of pushing the boundaries for what short-term rentals really can offer. So I think it's, yeah, we haven't experienced it ourselves yet, but I think it it can be a great added benefit for, for guest experience and, you know, just another way for hosts to continue to increase their revenue. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the hotel aspect. I, I know you guys mentioned before we started recording that uh, you're working on Blake Daly's 130 uh, unit boutique hotel mm-hmm. that he has. I guess it's not a boutique hotel, hotel, <laughs> hotel. Uh, yeah, that he hotel. has under contract <laughs> in uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, is that the only hotel that you guys are doing or are you guys doing other ones? Very first one. Mm-hmm. First one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's been it's been a really interesting and fun experience so far. And so we hope that this will just be a first of many. Um, I mean, that's the kind of fun aspect of being here in short-term rental design and having that investment mindset coming into the space is that, you know, the, the sky's the limit and we, we really are interested in the boutique hotel space. And so I'm sure we can kind of rack your brain as well in that space and, and kind of, yeah, navigate it going forward just as designers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think it's, it's going to be the next big thing and it's also, you know, the next natural progression, but, Mm -hmm. um, with all the STR regulations kind of tightening in a lot of markets, I feel like you know, and all the Airbnb investors out there, I think that's going to be the next thing. So we'll see. Um, but also you have all these baby boomers that are retiring over the mm-hmm. next seven years. And a lot of them are the ones that own these, these boutique hotels. And so I think a lot of those hotels are going to be, uh, changing hands, changing ownership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, traditionally a lot of these mom and pop owners, they don't renovate their properties. They don't put money into the design and they don't use any technology. And mm-hmm. so from a value add perspective, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity in the boutique hotel space, 10 million and under over the next seven years. So I'm excited for it. I think it's interesting too, from like the renter perspective, uh, there's lots of people using Airbnb in those platforms, but there may be a little bit of hate that's going around with, you know, some, some bad eggs out there, some bad hosts and people have had, you know, experiences that they don't like, but they still want that experience. That's different than staying at a regular hotel. So Mm -hmm. the boutique hotel space is very fascinating of having like that middle ground of it is managed by like, you know, a professional company, but you're getting that experience that you may get in an Airbnb property. Yeah. There is, um, there's a lot of different directions you can go with, with the hotel stuff, but, um, we have one guy in our mastermind, his name is Jaden, but he owns one bed and breakfast. I think it's like a seven room bed and breakfast, but he's going in on, on this kind of model to where, um, you know, when we're buying the boutique hotels on RM, we're, looking for hotels where guests can easily check, do a self-check-in, self-check-out model. And we're ideally running out these rooms individually to all individual guests. But what he's sourcing is like smaller bed and breakfast properties to where he can host bigger parties, uh, wedding parties, bachelor, bachelorette parties that want to run out the entire bed and breakfast. And then if the entire property doesn't get rented out by X date, um, because the booking lead times are typically a lot longer for bigger groups, but for these hotel rooms, the booking lead times are very, very short. Often they're like inside a week. And so he's going to first try to 
rent out to the bigger groups. And then in, let's say within an, a week or two, if it doesn't get rented out, he'll pivot and try to rent out the individual rooms. So I thought it was an intriguing model. Um, but he doesn't have to worry about the regulations, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's what's interesting to me about the hotel space as well is it's permitted. You know, it's like your traditional business, whereas short-term rentals, it's new. And I think cities are now coming up to speed with it and having some regulations. We're seeing a lot more of those, which as an investor myself, it, it, there's some like pros and cons to it. I see lots of pros in that it's tightening up the the market and, and who's going to be investing. You know, you're getting more serious investors and it's weeding out the people who may not be taking it as seriously. But yeah, the hotel space, it's like, it's been permitted. It's been around like the hotel that, you know, Blake is purchasing has been around since the seventies and yeah, you're not having to deal with any of that, those issues. What did you see, um, in that market and with that deal? Like when you, when you went out there? Yeah, it was really cool. It's so I'm, I'm very familiar with Gatlinburg, which is on the other side of the mountain. This hotel is in Townsend, which is the other side of the mountain. They call it the peaceful side of the mountain. It's right by the Smoky Mountains National Park. And it's a little bit more of those nature goers. So you have lots of horseback riding. You have lots of hiking. There's lots of wildlife. And the hotel itself, it has good bones. It has a good concept, but just very outdated. You know, it, it is in capturing like that lodge feeling. And, you know, people may look at a lodge and feel like it's outdated, but we love taking a lodge and bringing it up to the current time because it's a unique feeling. Like when you're going camping, for example, people go camping, not because like they love to, well, maybe they do love to be outside, but they want to have like that experience. And like the lodge side of it is giving you a little bit of nature um, and that sense that like you're outside of your own home. So we're going to take that lodge and, you know, bring the outdoors in, but make it up to this. Um, century because it was built in the seventies and very much feels like it's in the seventies. I, I should say decade. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're in. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, I feel like with a lot of these um, older properties, there's a lot of like cool things you can do from an like, exterior standpoint, just to kind of give it some better curb appeal. Um, what are some things that you guys like to implement from the exterior? Yeah. So for this specific property property out in Tennessee, we are adding a lot of amenities. And so it does. It doesn't have a ton right now. It does have an indoor outdoor pool. Um, but then there's like this big kind of field area where we're going to be um, adding, you know, outdoor movies. I believe another putting green, um, possibly pickleball court. Yeah, pickleballs ago, of course. <laughs> and so, um, and and it is a little bit different with this property because there are eight different buildings, and so each building is going to have a totally different design aesthetic. There is going to be a common thread throughout that is going to be, you know, kind of that lodge outdoor feel, but the the goal of that is so uh, guests can come eight different times and have eight different experiences, and so I guess that is more specific to this to this hotel. But for like a normal short term rental, you know, curb appeal is important, but it isn't the most important thing for a listing. You know, most of the time it is those amenities, the interior, and you know the things that the people are going to be experiencing. Whereas most of the time, when you're looking at a short term rental listing, you don't see a picture of the front of the home. It's not a real estate listing. And so we do do, you know, minor things to just make it look updated, maybe a fresh coat of exterior paint, um, maybe switching out, you know, locks or doors or things like that, but, but nothing too much that we think is super necessary for the first, um, kind of like curb appeal moment that you may see when you pull up to the property. Yeah. Do you think that it's necessary to have at least one photo of the exterior? Let's say for example, you had a property that was designed to a T interior wise, 
But then from the exterior perspective, it was like maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing. Do you think that it's okay to maybe not even include an exterior photo or should you always Mm -hmm. have one? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think from the perspective of somebody booking it, they may want to confirm that it is a house that it's like a, it's not a condo. You're not sharing walls, things like that. So I think it is important because they might have a fear like, Oh, I don't know. Like it's the fear of the unknown, but yeah, I don't think like it would make or break your listing. If you didn't have it, I think you would still get booked out. It's just like checking that box of somebody saying this is a home. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've always included one, but I've always been curious, like what would happen if we didn't? Yeah. I think like with some properties uh, that fit that mold, I think maybe you get more bookings. But then again, your review rating might drop because now you're not setting a clear expectation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that's really important too. If like from a, a host standpoint, setting the expectation, mm-hmm. you want your reviews to do well. Um, so yeah, like kind of back to the question too that we were talking about earlier of, you know, like the staging, um, we want it to to like meet those expectations. And we will ask like our clients, those questions of like, do you want to keep this? And if not, like, we're going to try to like weed it out. We don't include a lot of decor too. Um, decor is something that's always going to get moved around and it's not setting like a clear picture of somebody comes and it was like perfectly decorated. And then now it's not, but, um, yeah, the, and the exterior housing is, I'm still thinking about yeah. that question as well. What right? I was thinking is, is we always love the drone shot. So mm. whenever we hire a photographer, we always make sure like, okay, do you have a drone? We love to get drone shots of the property um, as a bird's eye view. And I think that's probably going to be more beneficial than just like a front of the house shot, because then you can see proximity, you can see um, maybe if it's like a family, you can see proximity to like maybe a busy street. So if you have kids. Um, or in properties like in Phoenix or Nashville or next to a big city, then you can see proximity of that property to uh, to the downtown area or to like some other site. And so I would say drone shots are probably going to be more beneficial for your overall listing than than just like an exterior shot. Yeah. Just make sure the condition of your roof looks good. Before yeah, you exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get all the leaves off. Make sure the roof's looking yeah, yeah. looking pristine. <laughs> um, I'm curious. You mentioned early in the in this uh, show that the you always try to put some sort of element that's like an Instagrammable wall or some sort of feature where people want to take photos. What are the top or maybe your favorite wall features to do or utilize for that perspective? Oh man, we, we love wallpaper. Um, wallpaper is always a must that we have not only in like living spaces or the Instagram moment, but in every single bedroom almost. Um, so we love doing wallpaper, neon sign. Um, we do murals a lot. Sometimes we work with local muralists. Um, I think that's also just a great way for additional exposure for your listing is to work with people in the area. Cause then they're going to start talking and, and maybe they'll stay there with friends or whatever it may be, but we love working with artists and muralists. Um, we sometimes do like grass walls or some sort of like textural 3D element that that always creates a really great photo as well. I love that. Is there a specific area of the property that you guys look to do that in? Oh, it's got to be natural light, right? No, <laughs> we always think like what is going to take the most, the best photo. And we want to encourage people to take the photos. So if it's not like a good location with good lighting, they may not. And Phoenix and Scottsdale, they have those walls that are like the the cinder block walls. And those are really easy to paint. And that creates like a great photo moment because it's outdoor in the natural light. Or if there's lots of good windows, we'll do that. It's usually in a common space too. Um, one fun thing for an Instagram photo is we've done this recently, like a large mirror. And you can put a neon sign on a mirror using double-sided gorilla tape. So like a neon sign like this, you can tape it up 
And so that way, like girls are taking selfies in front of the mirror, like they're standing about to go out. And then it has like a cute saying. The sayings are really important as well. Like you don't, you want something that they're excited about that they want to post on their social media. It's not like too cheesy. Um, Almost Mm. like thinking like a short Instagram caption is what we um, look at it. So if you're going to the beach, we'll um, think of like, hey, what are some like few words, short captions that you may post on social media? Let's turn that into a a neon sign that a girl will want to take a photo in front of. That's a really good way to look at it. I haven't thought about that with the neon sign. It's like, what what is what would someone want to take a photo of this neon sign? And like, well, what words would you put in there? Because I think that's always the hardest part. There's so many different things you could put in there. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have a favorite? Oh my Off God. the top? I know I'm putting you guys on the spot here. <laughs> oh, we have so many fun neon signs that we've done. Um, In her Fort Lauderdale house that she was talking about, that is kind of that kind of light and airy bachelorette theme we did, like high tides and good vibes. Wasn't that it? Yeah, that yeah, was it. And that that's was really fun. We did Cowgirl Casanova in a Nashville one. That was the one that we actually did on the mirror and it creates like a really fun selfie moment. Hmm. And that was a um, Carrie Underwood theme bedroom. Really? So it was, yeah, it definitely went with the theme and that was a lot of fun. But I, I love how Neon Signs too, it can create a personality for your Airbnb. I mean, that could be your Wi-Fi password. Maybe that's like your title for your listing. I mean, Neon Signs are just, you know, such an easy way to to create a whole overall experience and personality for your listing. We, we got one right here in the yeah, podcast set, right, right behind <laughs> it's a great you. one. But uh, yeah, I agree. And it, it doesn't cost too much money to put a neon sign up there. I yeah. know they last forever. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't I don't know how long they last, but I know with a lot of our listings, we just keep them on. This one this one stays on a lot of times, but um, that's cool. So with with Blake's hotel, real quick, I want to go back to that for a yeah. second. You mentioned. There's eight buildings and each of the eight buildings is going to have a different design element. Mm-hmm. Um, give me an example of like one's going to be this versus the other one's going to be that. Yeah. So we do have one that is a little bit more of like a modern aesthetic. We're kind of thinking like we definitely still want to have it feel luxurious for maybe guests who are coming for maybe it's like a couple who is staying together. Or again, just going back to that market research, we, we've kind of determined, um, you know, who's going to be traveling. So we have one that we're calling Mountain Modern. Um, that is a little bit more of that modern aesthetic. We have one that is more rustic. We have, we're kind of, we're reusing some beds that are, have been there on the property that are like these cool, um, like solid wood, like log looking beds. So we're leaning into that completely doing one that's rustic. Um, going back to the activities, there's lots of horseback riding. So we have, um, kind of like a rancher aesthetic one, but also a more traditional equestrian feel for a building. Um, those are, those are some of my favorites that we've, that we've done so far. And yeah, so, so it does have that common thread of everything that is, you know, Townsend, um, specific, but, but still, you know, interesting and different enough in each of those buildings. Yeah. I love that. Um, I want to go back to a question I was thinking of earlier. Um, if, if someone is underwriting or analyzing a a short-term rental deal, what would you tell them to assume for the design costs? Is there like a general rule of thumb that you can go off of based on the bedroom count or the square footage of the property? Yeah. Square footage is a good way to look at it. Um, on the low end, you're looking around like five to six grand on the high end, maybe 20 or above. Just It really is based on the square footage. You could have a, a studio apartment or a big eight bedroom home. We've done all of the above. Um, so yeah, I mean, being like, like you were saying, like having some contingency and, and going on the high side, then reaching out to designers and vetting out who's going to um, allow you, like, who are you going to leverage to increase your nightly rate and 
increase, like hopefully, you know, increase your overall ROI, but having like some contingency when you're looking at it from the beginning, then just doing your research on designers. Yeah. The contingency is, is huge to have because I think there's always going to be some decisions that need to be made. And, mm-hmm. um, you want to be able to say yes, if, if you can, yeah. especially if it's an important one. Um, like I give an example, uh, recently, like we're designing this, uh, boutique hotel, we're renovating it right now and it's 24 units here in San Diego. But one of the questions that came up was like, Hey, um, we're not going to be able to fit the wall sconces within our budget any longer. Um, so are we okay doing lamps on the side table versus the wall sconces? Like, well, the wall sconces look way, way more classy, way more legit. Yeah. And so I'm like, no, let's do it. We had the contingency money already set aside. So I'm like, let's do it. Um, and I think it's going to photograph way better from the guest experience. It's going to look a little bit nicer. Um, so I'm glad we did. And another example was like out in Scottsdale, we're doing a renovation and we're, we did a full basketball court out there. We're going to. And, uh, at the time there was this big, like Taiwanese, like chip factory that was coming in and it was like the biggest real estate project out in, uh, North Phoenix at the time. And they were taking up all the concrete. And so my contractor was like, Hey, um, we're not going to be able to fit this full court in the budget anymore. The, the cost of concrete has doubled. Do you want to just do a half? I'm like, well, it's not really the same pot to do a half court. You know, I'm like, no, let's fuck it. Let's do the full, you know? And so that's a good example. So I think, you know, whether it's a renovation or design, I think it's always smart to just have in that contingency capital. And it also gives you as an investor, a little peace of mind and know, Hey, like I have a little extra money, uh, for the things that go unaccepted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it honestly, it's always better at the end of the day when you're listing your property to be super proud of it. You're like, Oh, we hit every single need that I had from the very beginning of that, of the phone call, um, with us maybe, or like your initial design vision, like we hit all the must haves. And I know my property is going to stand out from the competition versus you're in the install process and you're having to pull back on things. Um, that's always, that's always a bad feeling. And it's always a bummer, you know, having to edit and, and take things out that, that you were so excited about. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, looking forward here the next 12 months or so, what are some of your guys' goals and where do you kind of see this, this partnership headed? Yeah, we see, we see it going a long way. I mean, we've been blown away in the past year that we've been in business, how much need there is in the space for short-term rental design. Um, I think like we were saying earlier, like lots of investors are now taking this seriously as a business. So it's almost like design, like hiring, you know, marketing for your business or hiring designers for their short-term rentals. So our goals here are to just keep expanding, keep um, interacting with people in the space. You know, it's a, it's a tight knit space as we were talking about earlier of, um, the people who are taking it seriously and, and we want to expand that network and connect with more people grow. I mean, the sky's the limit, honestly, at at what we can take on. Um, currently we're doing about 16 projects every single month. And, you know, we, we've created a model within our business to allow us to continue to grow that. Um, so we're here for the growth. We, um, are also in talks with some other big projects that we can't say right now, but we're excited to launch them and get into like a, a new network or, you know, new connections with people. Yeah. I love that. Um, where can folks, if they're interested in using your services, where can they learn more about it? Uh, probably our Instagram, our website is probably is the best way to find us. We're just at summerled.designs. Um, and it's, and it's summer, like my last name. Exactly. exactly. It's spelled <laughs> the same way, just summerled um, at the end there. And then just summerled designs um, is the website. Just 
summerleaddesigns.com. I love it. I appreciate you ladies coming on the show. I got to have more ladies and females <laughs> on the show. It's definitely, um, it's an honor and it, it was a pleasure to um, have a conversation with you guys. Yeah. yeah thank you for well. having us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.